0: mm and welcome back to finest hours and happy holidays at the time that we are recording this. It's been a while since our last episode, but we are happy to be back. I'm Braden Cromar joined by my co-host Hayden Hansen and our executive producer, Skylar Williams. What's up everybody. Hello. Hello. At the time we're recording this, it is that weird limbo week between Christmas and new year's where the days just blend in to each other. And it just feels like a, it just feels like a block of what's the word I'm looking for. The correct word is heaven. <laughs> Has it been for you? Cause you had to work. This uh, is barely. So welcome back guys. Sorry that it's been almost exactly four months since the last time we recorded, we are still happy to be back. And we picked a rather unique episode. This episode isn't like many of our others where we discuss a single individual. This is a group of individuals that we will discuss. So if there's nothing else, guys, no major updates to share with our audience that doesn't care anyway, perhaps we
1: can dive in. I have nothing I want to share with them. (laughs) (laughs) Sharing is caring, Hayden. Oh, I don't have any good updates
0: about my life. Happy to be back. So let's dive in. I will get us started here. So this is this is kind of a fun story for Christmas and New Year's, or whatever other holidays you choose to celebrate. We wanted to do something lighthearted. So today we're talking about Nazi breeding programs. You liked that joke, didn't I don't, you? I don't know if I want to include that.
1: That's that was funny. funny. It doesn't work if you're.
0: It doesn't work if you're muted and you guys aren't laughing and I'm the only one that thinks it's funny. Well, that's true. in the background. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I was muted. I was laughing. I promise. Put put a
0: laugh track over it. No. no. So our story takes place today in Germany during the final days of World War II. But before we get into that, let's um, rewind a little bit. So during World War I, an estimated 8 million horses died during the conflict. So Germany lost about half their horse population. And as a part of the reparations imposed by the Treaty of Versailles, they were required to export horses to the Allied nations. And among very many other things of the Treaty of Versailles, this made the German people very, very angry. A lot of the impositions of the Treaty of Versailles created an environment in which Germany was very unhappy with the Allied nations, and it stirred the emotions that would eventually start World War II.
1: We so, gave birth to a failed artist that decided to get into politics.
0: Yeah, that one art school man. <laughs> so close. Horses were still a very important part of the military at the time, and as a part of German rearmament, in very typical fashion, Adolf Hitler wanted to breed the finest war horses that the world had ever seen. So he appointed a hippologist, Gustav Rau. To oversee the German horse breeding industry. We don't know what hippologist means. So, should we make this our word of the day? Word of the day. All right. So, looking it up.
2: All right, I'm doing it right. Skylar,
0: give us an elementary school definition for hippologist. A hippologist is an
2: expert in or student of hippology. Oh, is, okay. Well, that doesn't help, Skylar. <laughs> so, uh, a hippologist is a person who studies horses or their breeding training etc
0: okay uh, etc not a person that studies hippos that is a simple enough simple enough explanation thank you Skyler yes
1: for that word of the day you ever been to a hippodrome hippodrome a hippodrome that's a horse racetrack at least it is in France I want to see if that's English Hippodrome. Ancient Greek stadium for horse racing and chariot racing. Nice. We're not
0: talking talking about hippodromes today, but thank you for that useless bit of information, Hayden. (laughs) I I found it very useful. In fact, it would have been useful when we were thinking about
1: what a hippologist is. (laughs) Sorry for the delay. Yeah, it probably would have helped. (laughs) So when Germany began invading the other countries... The Nazis ended up stealing horses from famed riding schools across all of Europe, the most famous of which was the Spanish riding school in Vienna, Austria, which still exists today. Uh, the breed that Rao had championed for this breeding program was the honor a descendant of Spanish and Arabian horses. These were very carefully bred horses that were highly intelligent, courageous, gentle, and beautiful, and they're often associated with fairy tales. They were the breed of choice for European royalty for centuries. So just picture the most beautiful white horse you can. That's the one that Hitler wanted. <laughs> I mean, there's probably other breeds of white. There are other breeds of white horses out there, but
0: if you when the you think white horse, white, <laughs> you're thinking Lipitz honor and you don't even know it.
1: They look albino, but don't have red eyes. They're iconic. They're cool. Now, the riding school in Vienna had a long, respected history of their Lippitz honors, and it was a place where the upper class could watch the prized horses perform in front of a live audience. How come it was only the rich people going? Because it was expensive. How much is it now? How many, like, look
0: at the opera. It's not that much now. I know. that's how I find interesting about
1: it is it has it was the class, and now it's probably not. Because if you're yeah.
2: poor, do you really want to go and watch horses perform? <laughs> you have no. other stuff to worry about, <laughs> like food and life.
1: So what this you're is saying interesting is interesting. Take I don't know how anybody at this time that loved horses was very privileged and wealthy. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Interesting have that as the background background for the people we're about to talk about (laughs) that is
0: not the case
1: (laughs) horses were a bigger
0: part of everyday life in the 1940s than they are now like now you have to be rich to own horses in the 1940s and earlier not so much you got but these were these were exceptional horses as hayden mentioned these were the breed of choice by european royalty these were expensive horses.
2: After the German annexation of Austria, the breeding mares were removed from the Spanish riding school and sent to a farm in Ostau, Czechoslovakia, for both their safety and for breeding. Only the performance horses stayed at the riding school. The mares received exceptionally good treatment from the Nazis, and they were transported back to Czechoslovakia in very spacious train cars. A stark contrast to the over-cramped train cars that the Nazis had been using to round up humans. So, it
1: really is so messed up. Pretty
2: crazy, right? They love horses, but they don't like humans.
0: Yeah, a lot of them would have thought of these horses as more benevolent than most human beings.
2: When the horses arrived at the farm, Ro was in possession of nearly every Lipizzaner in the world, and the horse breeding program continued through most of the war until 1945, when the war turned against Germany. The mares were still at the farm in Ostau in the final days of the war. And that is where the story of Operation Cowboy takes place.
0: Yeah. In early 1945, the Western Allies and the Soviet Union were closing in on Germany, and it became clear that Germany was going to lose the war. The nation was thrown into chaos, the chain of command had been broken, and the German army was fractured. So units were not communicating very well with each other, and it was just a total mess. Uh, Total disorganization, it was bad. So orders were given by the Nazi command to execute any soldier on site that was caught deserting or sabotaging the German defense in any way. Germans had been force fed anti American and anti Soviet propaganda for the previous 10 years. And after the Americans bombed their cities to rubble, their hatred of the Americans grew. But more than the Americans, they really hated the Soviets. Germans began fleeing Eastern cities into lands that would be occupied by the Americans rather than the Russians because they were convinced that they'd receive better treatment there. Some top officials wanted to surrender to the Western allies but continue on the fight against the russians at the end of the war there was a very strange softening towards the americans out of fear of what the soviets might do to them
1: that sounds so soft who fears the russians
0: i do (laughs) (laughs) if i have learned anything from history it's that you never ever invade russia no
1: it doesn't work (laughs) don't mess with those people All right, so just east of the German-Czechoslovakian border was the farm where German veterinarian Rudolf Lessing was appointed by Gustav Rau to oversee the care of these horses. And the highest ranking German officer in the area was Luftwaffe intelligence officer Lieutenant Colonel Walter Holters, who had become stranded in the town after running out of fuel, which I think that also speaks to how you know the war is ending when like your high-ranking officers are stranded in places like <laughs> that's that, that just shows you it's not going well
0: <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent but have you guys seen the movie darkest hour about winston churchill and the blitz over london no
1: no but it sounds like something so I would enjoy.
0: at one point these high-ranking generals are conversing with winston churchill and they mentioned that the german tanks the panzer divisions can refuel at petrol stations and the actor that plays churchill he kind of like shakily takes his glasses
1: off and he's like petrol stations <laughs> <laughs> yeah why didn't he just stop and fill up at a petrol station <laughs> That's, pretty funny That was funny Aiden, sorry, right on. No problem. So, Lieutenant Colonel Walter Holters, who is stranded uh, along right in the area where the farm is at, ends up befriending the officer who is in charge of protecting the farm, who is Colonel Rudofsky. And as they shared the same passion for the horses under Rudofsky's care, their friendship blossomed. That's cute, Hayden. <laughs>
2: When it became clear that the Russians would take the farm and likely destroy the horses, Holters tried to convince Rudovsky to surrender the horses to the Americans in order to save them from the lifetime of labor in the USSR or immediate death. Russians do not like horses. I
0: don't know if they don't like horses as much as they don't care about horses. They were just going to destroy everything. They see everything as kind of just a breeding animal and don't really have any and we we actually do mention this and i'll actually pick it up here as i'm kind of alluring to it but they were the russians were actually known for killing captured horses and dispersing their meat for rations they had no regard or reverence for these prized horses in the spring of 1945 they actually killed a captured thoroughbred racing horse alchemist when the stallion refused to load onto one of their trucks and destroyed the Royal Hungarian Lipizzaner collection.
1: I'm still thinking. Give it a minute. Why are you thinking? What are you thinking thinking about? (laughs) We are sinking. We are sinking. Now, Rudolfsky was apprehensive to surrender the farm to the Americans, but realized this was the only way to save the horses under his care. Holters, knowing time was running out, headed west, and he was aided by the farm's veterinarian, Rudolf Lessing, To meet with the Americans and to plead with them to rescue the prized horses from the onslaught of the incoming Red Army. And at the border, Holters found a group of Americans, of American soldiers, and immediately surrendered. He was interrogated and told the US commanding officer, Colonel Charles Hancock Hank Reed, not far from here, some of the most valuable horses in the world are being sheltered. These are no ordinary horses. These are Royal Lippitz honors from Vienna. And he had carried photographs of the horses at the farm that he presented to the U.S. troops. And Colonel Reed was a former cavalryman and polo player who also shared a love of horses. He sent a message to General George S. Patton, who was commanding all the troops in the area. And he said, General, these horses
2: are just ordinary. We don't need to do anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> Patton was a documented horse lover. He competed in the 1912 Olympic pentathlon and was a fan of polo. When he received word of these horses, he sent a message back to Colonel Reed. Get them, make it fast. Ten weeks earlier, the Allied forces met at the Yalta Conference to discuss the post-war plans for the reorganization of Germany and Europe. It was agreed upon at the Yalta Conference that U.S. troops would advance no further than the border of Czechoslovakia. However, the farm at Ostal lay 20 miles east of the German-Czechoslovakian border. If the U.S. forces were to be caught within Czechoslovakian borders, it could damage the fragile relationship between the United States and the Soviet Union. If these U.S. forces were to be caught in Czechoslovakia by Soviet forces, Patton would disavow this operation. It never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't... I had no idea. I don't even (laughs) know what kind of an
1: animal you're talking about. I use dinks!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's be clear that the United States and the Soviet Soviet Union, even though they are allies at this point, really, really do not like each other. They just have a common enemy. Our friendship
1: just never blossomed.
0: Well, tensions are already really hot between the United States and the Soviet Union because... Well, for a lot of reasons, but um, they don't trust each other. The Soviets are left to take very heavy casualties at the end of the war. And that's kind of one of the leading reasons that actually sparked the Cold War. Only they loved horses as much as the Americans. Colonel Hank Reed dispatched a young officer, Captain Tom Stewart, a Tennessean horse rider, to go to the farm at Hostau with the German veterinarian Rudolf Lessing and negotiate the surrender of the farm into American hands. Stewart and Lessing were instructed to inform the German command over the farm that if Stewart did not return within 24 hours, U.S. forces would attack the farm with full force. So Lessing and Stewart were able to negotiate the surrender of the farm to the Americans. They raised a flag of truce over the farm, and hours later, a small American force of 180 men led by Colonel Hank Reed arrived at the farm. Upon arrival, U.S. troops raised the American flag. The farm was now under the care of the United States Army.
1: Uh, so the farm was also housing around three hundred prisoners of war in, of British and Polish origin, but that's not super important. Also operating in the surrounding area were anti-communist Russian Cossacks. 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 That's an interesting word. I think it's Cossacks.
2: Cossacks. <laughs> We're going to go with
1: Cossacks. (laughs) So there's some anti-communist Russian Cossacks. I can't say (laughs) that. Who joined the Axis powers in rebellion of the Soviet Union. So anyway, in this area, you've got some Russian Cossacks, some British people, some Polish people. And all of them are friendly towards each other at this point. And they were all eager to escape west to avoid execution by the Soviets once the occupation began mostly just the Russian Cossacks.
0: This is an important thing to note that not, and this is kind of stating the obvious, but not everyone that fought in the German army or the Wehrmacht had Nazi sympathies, especially when the war starts to turn against Germany and the Americans and the British are bombing German cities. A lot of people in the Wehrmacht were just trying to defend Germany from destruction. So, They were friendly, not because they didn't necessarily have allegiances to the Nazi party or to Adolf Hitler. They just wanted these horses to be kept safe and protected. And they were no longer able to do that. And they knew what the alternative would be if they came under Soviet control.
1: The area surrounding the farm was still crawling with German resistance fighters. Colonel Reed had to plan how to safely transport the 300 plus horses safely back to Bavaria. To supplement his small force, he issued the captured German weapons to the rescued prisoners of war and to a small group of German camp guards who volunteered to serve under the U.S. command.
0: Which I have to pause here. So this is very interesting because this is one of only two times in the final days. Well, in, not in the entirety of World War II, but two times in the final days of World War II, German and American forces actually fought side by side. And this is one of them.
1: What's the other one?
0: The other one was a rescue mission at Castle Itter, which was housing VIP POWs, like French, oh, French diplomats. French yeah. And the SS were going to execute these VIP prisoners. And the Americans got there first. And the German Wehrmacht and the Americans fought a battle against the oncoming SS soldiers.
1: Interesting. So we can all get along when we're trying to save French people or horses. That's what we've learned. French horses are equivalent. And the
0: (laughs) SS are horrible people who who have pled their allegiance to Adolf Hitler. Basically Hitler's thugs. So they're not necessarily an arm of the military. They're more of like a military police. Bunch of not even Not even their own citizens like them.
2: All right. So shortly after the farm was captured, it came under attack by the SS troops. The multinational force battled the SS soldiers for five hours before driving them back. During a break in the fighting, Colonel Reed began organizing transport to return the horses across the the 20 miles of enemy territory back to germany some of the horses were ridden out by german american and russian officers while most of the others were rounded up and marched back across the border during the trek the armed soldiers had to stay vigilant always watching for ss reinforcements or german resistance fighters The 300 horses made it safely across the border into Germany without a moment to spare. Just as the Americans were riding out of Hostau, Stalin's Red Army had arrived in the town.
1: Heartless and horseless. No horses to eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the horses make it safely across the border, but there's still concerns about the Spanish riding school in Austria. So the head of the Spanish riding school knew that in order to preserve the school and the horses, the school needed to be preserved under the care of the U.S. Army. He was asked to put on a performance for General Patton in a field in Germany on May 7th, 1945. At the end of the performance, he approached General Patton and asked, The great American nation, which has singled out to save European culture from destruction, would certainly interest itself also in this ancient academy so I'm sure I'll not plead in vain in asking you, General, for your special protection and help for the protection of the Spanish Riding School. Patton replied, I hereby place the Spanish Riding School under the official protection of the American Army in order to restore it to a newly risen Austria. And on the following day, May 8, 1945, Germany would officially surrender to the Allied forces.
2: Because the horses were free.
1: Not because of the horses <laughs> i 'm just seeing point A took us to point B' <laughs> yes. No, it's <laughs> it 's
0: just a very interesting what i 've learned think, no, think about the timeline this war is over these horses <laughs> <laughs> No, think about the timeline. This is the final days of the war. So they have to go in and very quickly rescue these these horses, get them back to what 's going to be american occupied territory away from the Soviets away from the ss to end the war
1: <laughs> and then
0: now the war has officially ended so these horses and these american troops guarding them can't go under attack by ss troops
2: it's said that hitler watched these horses run away and that's what made him
0: kill himself. no
2: oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> we're like a hundred maybe 130 miles southwest of berlin he had a telescope <laughs> he was in a bunker big telescope big <laughs> big telescope anyway continuing on so maybe he just
1: got word of it is what you're trying no! to no <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just an interesting timeline it is an interesting they res- timeline. This, is yeah. like, this is the final days of the war and they used it to rescue these horses
1: Colonel Reed said, we were so tired of death and destruction, we wanted to do something beautiful. That makes it sound like he knew that the war was ending anyway. It was. Like, Everybody
0: knew that the war was ending.
1: Within the next couple of days, so might as and well finish it with a bang.
0: Like, that's one of the risks of this operation. Is no? They knew it was the final days of the operation and nobody wanted to die in the last days of the war. Rescuing that is forces. so
1: true. Nobody, nobody did die anyway.
0: No one on this expedition did except for one mayor who broke her leg and they had to put her down because she couldn't make the rest of the journey.
1: That is really sad. So about five hour fighting, nobody died in it. Did any SS soldiers die in that? Uh,
0: you know what? I may have spoke too soon. I know that about a hundred SS troops died in that battle. I don't know how many or if any of the American forces died in that battle. It That's would be unusual for one Americans side to take 100 die. casualties and the other side to take zero. But
1: it was a highly fortified farm. <laughs> These yeah, yeah the horses are magical as well.
0: But the United States, they also had some light armor and the SS troops didn't. So that can really turn Make a tire for a in battle.
1: Still interesting that only one mare was injured. Like, that's not bad. Not bad. Must be some hardy horses, some good breeding.
0: That's what we call collateral damage.
1: So with little resources to care for the horses after the destruction caused by the Second World War, the horses wouldn't all be able to survive with a limited food supply. They solved that by sending about half of the horses into the care of the Spanish riding school, and 151 of the horses were selected to be transported back to the United States. The merchant marine ship Stephen S. Austin carried the horses across the Atlantic to Virginia, where they were sold to American breeders. One of the finest stallions sold for $8,100 in 1949. Adjusting for inflation, that's approximately $85,000 today and $100,000 tomorrow. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's Um, sad, but true. (laughs) Oh, the times in which we live.
2: The Spanish writing school still exists in Vienna today. Today, you can tour the facilities and see the descendants of the rescued Lepizinners perform in person.
1: Ooh.
0: It really does exist today. And it has, we looked this up. It has 3.7 stars on Google.
1: So <laughs> Don't 1,100 go there. Reviews, 1, reviews. So that's pretty good.
2: But it looks cool. It does look cool. I wouldn't go just... to
0: Austria just to see it. But if I was ever in Vienna, I would go see it. And tickets are cheap. They're like under $30 US. You don't have to
1: be a VIP French person or a rich. What, Who were... what did we decide the people that were going were?
0: Aristocrats. Aristic. Yeah, you don't, ha-
1: you don't have to be an aristocrat anymore. You can go watch these horses for 15 bucks. You yeah, can be I... poor and watch horses.
0: I don't know why it's so cheap, but it's cheap. Maybe no one's that interested in <laughs> horses in Vienna. No, that can't uh, be an
1: obsession. The one thing we've learned through this message is that everybody loves horses.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody in this really did love horses, which was weird. They were willing
1: to die for the horses. Just about. They were also willing to lie about their involvement in it so that they didn't get in trouble. In the United States,
0: there are also riding schools across the country that prominently feature lippets honors in their performances, but they kind of just got sold all over. So
1: there's probably some horse lovers here in America that are very grateful for World War II that brought lippets honors to the US.
0: It didn't bring them to it didn't introduce them to the United States, but you got 150 of them.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad number to start out with.
0: A chicken in every pot and a lippets honor on every farm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Roosevelt had some great policies, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's that's why this all started. When when is that quote from? What year is that?
0: Uh during the Great Depression. So
1: 1930 something? Yeah. And when did all of this take place? 1945. Later. Later. <laughs> Later. Yep.
0: When <laughs> Roosevelt was dead. Oh, that's so funny.
2: All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Finest Hours. Learning about horses, the love everybody has for horses. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Finest Hours Podcast. Give us a like and a follow on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Do you have anybody you would like us to talk about in the future? Email us at finesthourspod at
1: gmail.com.
0: And tell us if you're sick of me always picking World War II stories.
1: Don't you dare say anything about our World War II stories. We've done We've done a lot. There's sure, a lot to tell. That's where most stories come from.
0: Well, we need a German goodbye. We can wish them a happy Christmas, or a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: We wish
2: you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas.
0: I am not saying
1: that. We need knocked in the newest jar
0: what she said happy oh and happy new year everybody um in 2019 when we recorded i said here's to 2020 hopefully it doesn't suck as bad as 2019 did and that was very i couldn't have been more wrong (laughs) but hopefully 2022 doesn't suck as much as 2021 did
1: and we just jinxed it for the whole world. <laughs>
0: and I just jinxed it for the whole world. So be prepared for pandemic number two. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>